Hey, this is Brett Miller with another episode of Wood Talk. Thanks for joining us. I've got a very special guest today, Jeremy Farmer with Glitza Finishes. Jeremy, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Uh, Enjoy it. Introduce yourself and, and a little bit of your background. Name's Jeremy Farmer. Been in the business for 32 years now. Started back in high school during the summers, on the weekends when I could, making money. Decided at that point, I don't want to do this. This is hard work, right? <laughs> so I, I decided to go in the Navy, was in the Navy for a little while, and figured out that the government doesn't pay you that well, especially when you're just you know an enlisted guy. So started doing more floors on the side off and on, and then finally got back out of the Navy, moved to Kansas City, and furthered the career. I worked for quite a few different companies in the Midwest and then started my own stuff, really just subcontracting to begin with until I could afford to open my own business. Nice. Had a business in Kansas City for a while and then moved back home to North Carolina. Thought that would be a good idea because the beach life, who doesn't want that? But uh, realized how much I miss the Midwest. So you from North Carolina originally? Grew up in North Carolina, just outside of Raleigh, a little town called Clayton. Nice. North Carolina, yeah. It's good. Um, great town. It's grown a ton, you know, since I grew up. So so that's where you started doing wood floors? Mm-hmm. When Clayton, Garner, Raleigh area. Okay. Years years ago, mid-80s. Nice. So, yeah. Nice. Well, I think you and I probably started um, in the same around the same time anyway in high school. I, I was the same thing. I started over the summer, junior to senior year, and I uh, ended up putting myself through college doing wood floors and and uh same thing i didn't think i thought i was going to be going a totally different path right had that fish hook in that kept me in this industry once the teeth are sunk in they're there it's hard to get them lodged loose that's right (laughs) so i first met you at uh some schools here at nwfa advanced level schools Mm -hmm. um doing some really cool stuff in the back you know at, at, at the training and uh it was probably my first or second year here one of my first advanced schools sure. that I had put together since I've been here and always appreciated your your outlook and and your skill set I, I think you know at any of these schools I think we all kind of learn from each other as we go absolutely um, you're here this week as an instructor as a representative for uh, for Glitza during a Santa finish school what what was it as a contractor that that Got you looking to get out of the contracting side, and and what pushed you to becoming a uh, you know a, a technical sales rep for a finish manufacturer? I'm not sure if it was any one certain thing. I think it was just a culmination of things. Um, one, you know, anybody that owns a business knows how hard it is dealing with employees and everything that goes along with that, um, and not some of the frustrations that can come with that. But you know. Doing the schools like I did, I think I did maybe two or three of these advanced schools, and just being around guys on that level, and not just the instructors that were in the classes, but the guys that we were working along beside, I think that really kind of got me into wanting to do more with guys on on job sites. I loved teaching my guys, but I I love to travel too, so I think that was part of what pushed me to becoming a rep. So I just started putting feelers out there, seeing if there was any opportunity in it. And I love what I do now. Again, getting out on job sites with guys 
you know, visiting the distributors is, is okay. But if there's something that I can go out on a site with a guy and just show him one little thing that maybe he hadn't seen before or heard before, if it makes his life easier, or you see that light go off, you know, that's just as satisfying as anything, you know? And again, it's, to me, it's just trying to help continue this craft because it's some days it seems like a dying craft, but I, you know, some areas I go in, it's, it's a really flourishing craft. So, you know, and I think that's probably what keeps us all in this craft and keeps us all motivated every day. And I will say, and I, and I, you just said something, when you go out to the job site and you're able to just share one bit of knowledge with somebody and you see them, it changes their, you know, their, their perspective right. of the trade. Sometimes it's that new spark of excitement about the trade. Maybe they're burnt out. Maybe it's doing the same old, same old every day and, and to, 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 to hook them and have them come along a different direction or, right. or to reinvigorate that interest is Break huge. that monotony a little bit. Yeah. Cause we all kind of get in that, that, you know, just kind of, you get to the point where you're almost going through the motions some days, but then you you learn something, some new technique. Again, that's why I like doing the classes. When I was a contractor, it's like I'm learning. Why why didn't I know how to do this? I'm seeing another guy do something. It's like wow, this is crazy. Yeah. So again, for me, that's seeing that same look in somebody else's eyes when you get out on a job site with them. I think that's that's as satisfying as anything. So I always hated when I was out in the field, I hated, and I had a handful of them, guys that would walk onto my job site with their shiny shoes and their, oh, yeah. you know, their slacks and they'd come in and try to start selling me something and start trying to tell me yeah. how to do something. Exactly. When I stepped out of the field and, and started working at, for a manufacturer as a manufacturer's rep, as a sales rep, I wanted, and I told my boss at the time, the last thing I'm going to be is that guy. Mm-hmm. I'll wear, I'll dress up in slacks and nice shoes when I'm doing trade shows or going to a sure. distributor or talking to you know the business side. But when when I'm talking to my people, the contractors out in the industry, I'm probably going to be wearing my stained pants, yep. and my poly shoes, and I'm mm-hmm. going to be walking out there with my knee pads on and ready to scrape corners with ready, them, ready to roll. What ready does your roll. day look like when you go out with a contractor? What do you do to? I guess first off, if it's somebody that you're trying to gain the respect of somebody mm-hmm. that might look at you and say, you know, right off the bat, here comes a slick talking sales guy. I don't want to spend the time with him, but right. what do you do to get in? What's your day look like when you go work with somebody in the field? So if, if I'm going out to, to help a guy on a job that again, I'm a finished, finished rep, but there's all these steps before you get to that. Right. So I, I try to make sure I'm there early on. And if it's hand sanding the edges, if it's, you know, picking up the vacuum or jumping in and tacking the floor. It's, it's doing things before they ask me to do it to show them that, Hey, I'm, I'm just as invested in this as you because success at the end of the job is what's most important. And again, if, 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 if you're getting that check at the end, then that's the whole, that's the main goal. We're all doing this to make a living, but it's getting involved with that contractor on the job site, seeing the surprise in their face when I just say, Hey, I'm going to start vacuuming this back room, Yeah, you know, instead of them going, okay, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's really just jumping in and in, involving myself in their job and investing myself in their job. So they know that it's not just about making a sale. It's about working with this guy. And again, if I can show them something that 
maybe he hasn't seen or, you know, that he has seen is just didn't understand the technique, then, you know, again, that's, that's one of the best things in my day. Yeah. Standing in a trade show, you know, it gets old after about three hours, <laughs> you know, standing right. at a distributor, right. you know, it's, it's great talking to those people in those spaces, but I'm more at home on a job site than I am. Like you said, dressed in slacks or yeah, in a, in a polo. Just right. give me a t-shirt and a cap and stained <laughs> shoes and, and pants, and I'm ready to roll. Sure. So. Well, it, it's something you said, and I think it's it is key. And I I used to I used to speak this all the time, and it it's absolutely true. You know, we're doing a Santa finish school this week. A good finisher can make a crappy install look good and get paid for yes. at the end of the day. Yep. And that install could be completely improperly installed. It could be bad product. There's a lot of things, but a good finish job at the end can get you paid. Whereas well, that's, that's the last thing they see. That's you know? right. Whereas or, or, that, or the first thing they see when they walk into that house yeah. is that finished job. Whereas a, a, a bad sand job on a perfect install, you're not going to get paid. Exactly. So it is. And you're, to your point, there's a lot that leads up to getting that final paycheck mm-hmm. and getting that customer's approval of that end result. Um, but the finished job, and, I, and I, I, I often think, you know, as an industry, we've always called you know, the two separate sides of our industry. One is the installation side. One is the sanding and mm-hmm. finishing side. But if you look at any other woodworker, they don't really talk about the sanding process. It's the finishing process. Mm-hmm. As our industry progresses, it really is about that finish. Now, part of applying a perfect coat of finish is the sand job. I the mean, steps that's really that lead up to it. The steps to get you Because if you don't have the foundation, you can't get the finished result that you're looking for. That's right. And, and again, th- these classes are so great to be able to, to show these guys – you know, because we all learn the old school way, you know, 3680, whatever, you know, right. just hurry up and get it done so we can get out. Yeah. And people didn't know any better, but, you know, teaching these guys to build that foundation of that sand job and the steps to get through. Again, to me, I'll go out and sand guys. I'll jump on an edger in sure. a heartbeat just to break the monotony of my daily sales routine, you know. Remind so, your back while you got out of it, Exactly. Too. <laughs> remind, remind my back and my knees while I'm on the sales rep side of things a little more often. But, and I think that's a great point, and I think it is important. This is a hard industry. It's a hard, laborious job. And I think all of us, I mean, I'm 46 years old, and I think a lot of us that are in the this stage of our career think back and wish we would have done things different to protect our bodies a little bit more. Sure. It's a hard job, but it doesn't mean that your back and your knees have to be killed. And there's a lot of guys that joke about it, but it's hard work. And as long as you take care of yourself, I mean, I always used to argue to people in my family that my, I have the strongest back in the Miller family. Then right. I got my brother into it and then we compete about who has the stronger <laughs> right. back. But you know, my lower back was strong. Right. And and my hamstrings were strong mm-hmm. because I enjoyed edging. I truly enjoyed that process. Sure. Well now I jump back out and I, I edge a floor and I man, it's gonna take quite a few hundred feet for me to get back into that <laughs> yeah. mode again. Exactly. Just to remind my body. But exactly. It's not a bad thing to be in pain and to say that our knees and backs hurt. It's just a matter that we got to make sure we take care of it. Well, and that's that's a thing too that I wish early on I'd have been taught how to stretch properly. You know, even after working, you know, you're tired at the end of the day, but you know, stretching your body out once you're done working 
that's something that I started showing my guys is like, Hey man, you're going to go home. You're going to be stiff. Your body's warm right now. Stretch out a little bit. Let's stretch it out, you know, and and go home that way. You're ready to roll in the morning. But again, I that's something that I wish was taught a little bit more by more of the companies out there is that yes, it's a hard job, but there's ways to battle that, you know, and that's, you know, trying to, I know it sounds weird, but trying to get that little bit of fitness side into it of keeping your body stretched out and keeping it healthy. Yeah. You know, you last a little bit longer. That's you right. Know? Not quite as beat up as we are. <laughs> sure. Or wearing a respirator or ear right. protection the- or eye protection. It's uh, it's it's so important. My mom always used to yell at me, my brother and I, and, and, and say, what? I sure hope you guys are wearing your respirators. Right. I hope you're wearing your, your dust masks out there. And we'd laugh and we'd say, no, mom, we're not. And hindsight looking back that was you know we didn't this was before dust containment became the norm i mean we were just sanding floors and buffing without vacuums hooked up to a buffer which was normal back then but to think of the airborne dust that was created i mean we spent so much time plasticking people's homes off and going back afterwards and paying cleaning companies to come in and clean their homes and we were we prided ourselves on on doing that we charged for it but we prided ourselves on that but the process, you know, wearing a dust mask in a tent of plastic with airborne dust that you could hardly see across the other side of the exactly. room wasn't you know, abnormal. Yeah, spending today. all that time to protect their stuff, but not spending enough time to protect yourself. Right. You know, I think is is something that, again, I wish was taught early on instead of that old school mentality of, oh, you're tough enough. You can handle that. <laughs> Just some you know? dust. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. And things have come quite a ways, you know, since, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I mean, we've seen such a progression in our industry. Technology's come a long way. Sometimes wish that I was in the trade as as deep as I was back then today so that I could take advantage of a lot of the technology. Sure. Time is money, especially on your job site. Don't waste another penny on labor-intense flooring installations. Diamond Lock Polyurethane Flooring Adhesive is easy to spread, covers more area and can improve your overall installation time. Delight your wallet and your customer with an efficient installation using Dow's award-winning adhesive. Diamond Lock is not only easy to use, but is odorless with non-detectable VOCs and contributes towards lead credits. Find out more at dow.com forward slash diamond lock to save you time and money. When you were in the trade, when you had your business... Can you give some advice? I mean, if you have one thing that you could come out and play Monday morning quarterback to go back to some of your peers that are out there or some of the guys that are younger in the industry, maybe just getting in, just starting their business, what would you tell them that you learned playing Monday morning quarterback outside of health and outside of taking care of yourself? And obviously that's key, but if you could give them a piece of advice for themselves, their business, their what they do, what what would that be? I think one thing that I learned over the years is the education of the customer is is really key. Really getting that person to understand not the depth of your knowledge, but giving them the depth that they knew what was going on with the job site. Really just educating that homeowner making them feel more comfortable because as soon as you make them feel comfortable, 
their job becomes much easier. Again, working with the homeowner, educating them on what the process is, um, educating them about the finishes I'm using, about the stains I'm using, really making them feel more comfortable with me because I'm in their home. And, and, and if they're not comfortable with me and my guys being in their home, you know, it, there's going to be some bumps along the way. So I really just think the people aspect of it, again, they're not going to get the craft, right? They're not going to get what you've gone through to get to that point. But, you know, again, I think really educating the homeowner is key, you know, and, and we always talk about setting expectations, you know, when we do these classes. Right. And, and I think that that has been key over the years with the success that I had in business was really making that person feel comfortable with us being there. When you think about a homeowner, I know, and like you said, you know, we come in with all of the years of experience and all of our wealth of knowledge and all of the, you know, the tools and the, the, the best of the best products that we can use. And we're selling our, our product and we're making sure. But when you walk into somebody's house, and this is something that, to your point, educating that customer and making them feel confident and comfortable in you being in their home, mm-hmm. I think we often forget that this is their home. Right. We're looking at the fact that you're going to tear out this nasty old carpet and we right. get to come in and put in a beautiful wood floor and increase the value of your home and make you happy with this product that I'm selling you. And it's a total upgrade to the house. But what a lot of times we forget, and I used to do this, you know, we'd go into their home and it was the most gratifying thing to stick a knife in their carpet and just <laughs> cut it right across the middle of that living room right. and then start rolling it up and getting it out of that house. It's the grossest part of the whole job. Because right old carpet is nasty and then you pull up the old the pad and it if it's not stuck to the floor right from pet urine or from plants or from whatever pulling all that stuff out is so gratifying but i think we often forget that a homeowner might i mean they've lived a lot of years on that floor maybe that carpet was you know where their kids took their first steps or where you know their pet passed away or Mm -hmm. something you know it could be sentimental to them and for us to take as much gratification as we do to cut a right. knife in there and yank it out of their house, I think a lot of times we overlook the fact that this is their home. And as much as we're going to increase their love of their home, it's a challenge. It's difficult. I think one of the uh, one of the most common things we deal with is baseboard. You know, we cut the baseboard off and we stick it back up. Right. And it looks like garbage by the time it goes back up. Sure. It may have looked okay at first, but now we put a beautiful new wood floor in and old baseboard that you know we caulk it and touch it up with paints just not going to look it looks that much worse right and that's the kind of stuff that that customer education up front it is key i think that's a great point you know again stepping them through the process and giving them the knowledge of of what you're going to be doing to their house so they they know beforehand so they're not coming home going hey you know what the heck are you doing here and and making them comfortable before you even start basically laying out an outline of, of how you're going to handle things in their home. Because again, it is their home. This is, we're only there for a week or more. They're there every day. And this is their, that's their safe space. And we're interrupting that space for so many days. And to, again, get that comfort level for them up front makes it so much easier for them. And that really, I think makes your job more successful in the end because you know you've got that rapport with that homeowner and you know that 
you know, you feel that you want to take care of their, their domain like that. Yeah. That the spot where, you know, where they're spending, like you said, family time, kids growing up, dogs running around. Well, not only that, but I mean, I, I, we battled, you know, we battled with employees and I know today it's even harder than it was 20 years ago with employees and getting right people coming in. I say that, I mean, it was a challenge back then and I'm sure it'd be just as much of a challenge today, if not oh, worse, yeah. <laughs> but the challenge of have an employee take a smoke break and flick their cigarette butt down into the street or the curb or the lawn or the front porch. Um, and I don't care if it's the, the gutter outside of their home. That's not acceptable. No. Having somebody go into somebody's house and set a box of edger paper up on their countertop. That's not acceptable. No. Having somebody go in and whatever it is that they're doing, help themselves to somebody's fridge and grab a, huh. a water or keep their lunch cool in there. Sure. That's not acceptable. Right. And I think, a lot of times as a business owner, I think it's common sense to us, but we get our employees in there and they just don't get it. Right. I, we had a guy one time that was a good, a good craftsperson. He came from the flooring industry. He wasn't a wood floor guy, but we were able to teach him. Well, he had a, an offensive tattoo on his arm. It was a satanic, demonic kind of tattoo on his arm. I don't care about tattoos. I mean, right. I, it's fine. You do what you're going to do. But this one was very clearly... The message was clear. Right. So I told him, I don't care what you do. I don't care what you believe, but don't show that at my job site. Sure. And one day we showed back up and it was exposed. And I said, if I catch you again, you're done. Yeah. Sure enough. You know, it's just that mindset. We had to get rid of him because he didn't really seem to care. Right. And that and that's kind of going back to the point early on why I've gotten the rep businesses, you know, dealing with that so much over the years. And guys, you know, that just didn't take the pride, not only in their job, but in themselves. That shows to a homeowner, you know. And, and again, that's that, that's that presentation you're making of your company. I mean, my, my brother and I had a business, and we got to the point where it was like, all right, we've got nine guys out there, and we have to explode this business. We're at the, the stage where we've got to invest in it and make it big and blow it up. But Neither one of us wanted our name on the jobs that we didn't see and touch every day. Right. And even with nine guys, whether it was my brother or myself, we were at every job. And whether we were installing them or finishing them, that's a challenge. And I think that's probably one of the biggest hurdles guys that get into the industry have. It's good to have a crew of guys that you can trust and know and run your company. Yeah. It's hard when you get to that point. There's a fine line there. There of, is. Of, of trust that you have to instill in yourself about your guys. It's like you said, on the job sites every day. I'm stopping by every job site every day, checking on what's going on. If there's things that need to be done, jumping in, making sure we're keeping the progress that needed to happen. But again, making sure that they're representing you and your name, because that's, I mean, you're the person they're coming to because it's your name. Right. And having that guy or guys, we did. We had a couple people that we trusted and leaned on, and they carried our name. They had their name as as invested in that business as we did. Sure. Uh, but it, it's being a business owner. It is a challenge to have those people and to carry those people and maintain them as that important aspect of the business. Right. I think it's uh, there's there's a lot to be said for people that are successful business owners and know how to run the company 
successfully right. using the right people in the right well, places. And, and learning how to lead guys. That's, that's one of the biggest things that I've learned over the years too, is learning how to lead guys and, and, and setting that level of ownership throughout from top to bottom. You're the owner, you're leading your guys, you're kind of leading down, you know, through your guys, but having those guys understand that they can come back to you and say, Hey, we can do this because, you know, guys, you can learn from your guys too. And I, and I think with these classes that we do through NWFA, I think that guys being able to bounce ideas off of each other that are in the business, you know, we've got several contractors out here today and there's a lot of discussion going back and forth of, you know, what do you do in this situation? What do you do? And I think that's another thing. These, a lot of these classes help is being able to just bounce stuff off of each other. For sure. Because none of us know it all. No. You know? Hey, we all learn yeah. every day at every Daily. one of these classes. Yeah. Or any interaction we have. That's what's great. Kind of removed myself from a lot of the social media that's out there just because it can take so much time. But what I love about it is to see the camaraderie and to see the ideas bouncing back and forth and ultimately yes. to see the trade rise mm -hmm. because of the interaction that – 10 years ago we wouldn't have had we didn't yeah have. no we didn't have this 10 15 years ago we didn't you know have not we had beepers right exactly we had pagers, <laughs> pagers. you know have to run to the payphone call the boss you know <laughs> I'm out, of, out of a quarter <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly so yeah again I, I i really enjoy the the classes and you know like you said the social media side of things of guys helping each other out that's really the the whole grand scheme of, of everything that we do in life, period, really, is you're helping each other out. Not just in business, but any other aspect of, of what's going on. And again, these classes, I think, really do a lot for that. Being ex-Navy, if you had the perfect candidate for a new employee, would your first look be to a military veteran? I don't know if it would be my first look. I might look towards a young guy that I'm trying to maybe work on a program coming out of school. But if I did have a veteran come up, I know that there's going to be pride in what they're doing because that's just what's instilled in you in the military is pride in, in who you are as a person, but also the, the task that you have at hand. Um, so, yeah, I don't, again, I don't know if that'd be the first one. I want a nice little ball of clay I can mold that's nice and young, you sure, know, sure. into, into what I want them to be. But yeah, never, I would never turn down any kind of veteran wanting to come in and see if this trades for him for well, sure. The reason I ask that, and I, I guess I should have prefaced that by saying thank you for your service to our country. I mean, oh, that's yeah. something that is, isn't spoken enough in this, in this country or this industry. But the reason I ask that is to me, one of the first people that I, I, I agree 100%, I would not nod my head at anybody who was a veteran coming in looking for a job because of the discipline, the, 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 yes. the work motive that you get when you know you've got somebody who's, who's been through the military that understands it, uh, that understands what hard work really means. Right. Hard work, giving it your best shot, I th you know, because – you know, when you're in the military, if you don't give it your best shot, you know, the guy next to you is at risk, you know. So that's, I think, an aspect that's really undersold about veterans is that they're part of a team. And when you have a business, you have to really have it 
be part, be a team. You all have to look for that same goal at the end. And, you know, a veteran is going to be used to working in a team like that. So, again, as you say, the discipline, the pride in what they do. And, you know, it might not be for that guy, you know. He might figure that, okay, well, this is not, you know, my cup of tea, but he's not going to slack on you. He's going to give it what he's going to give, sure. and then he's going to make a decision and, hey, hey, this is for me or it's not for me. That's right. So, no, completely understand. You know, and, it, and going back to my story of the guy that we had working for us for a couple of weeks that didn't care and just rolled his shirt up because he thought he'd get away with it, that's something, that's the mentality you wouldn't get with the mindset that you just talked about. I right. Mean, I think it's one of those that there's just a difference. And I think in today's the mentality, the, the, the moldable piece of clay that you're talking about, I think it's great. But I also think that there's a bit of a disconnect with some of the people that do come in that are afraid to work. They're afraid to get mm-hmm. their hands dirty. They oh, take yeah. a look at the hard work that's involved, and they say, this this isn't for me. Right. I like the computer programming stuff. Or And I, here's a good example of that. We were at a, a, a career fair um, a little while ago, and we had – a bunch of kids coming through and all we had at our table at nwfa was pictures of from an advanced school and we had a couple medallions out there and a couple cool little all the cool stuff just the cool stuff (laughs) you know the bling right and this kid real awkward high school kid came up and he's just standing there for a couple minutes just looking at it all and he just looks up and he says there's no way i can make that but i can make a computer program that can make that right and i thought man that is the coolest thing and yeah. that's where you start looking at technology coming in and some of the things that are changing our industry sure. the handheld cnc machines and with you know go backwards go to the track saws you know right. go backwards even further go to the you know compressed air mm-hmm. go to the sanders you know the power to sand a floor go Absolutely. From scraping the sand into actually Using compressed air to, you know, now using CNC machines. Oh, yeah. Who knows where it's going to take us next? Well, like today, even throwing a new guy, day one guy on a on a planetary sander that, you know, we all yeah. learned how to get pushed around by a buffer, you know, back in the <laughs> right. day. But now you can throw these new guys on these easy planetary sanders, and it's a day one guy that you can just... Okay, get used just to that. Walk, walk behind that machine. <laughs> exactly. Day, exactly. And you've got a, yeah. a near perfect floor at the end. Yep. Yeah, it's good, and it, it is good for the industry. It's Absolutely, good for the trade. Absolutely, because it it takes a lot of the strain off of us and our bodies too. You know, with those types of machines, right? And it, you know, it, we're we're getting better floors every year. We're we're all learning new little things, new little nuances of every tool. You know, and all these new tools that are coming out. Yeah, which again, it just makes it that much better. Makes it that much more of an art. Right. Which is, you know, that's really what sanding finish inside is, is an art. Absolutely. You know, so the whole business to me is a craft, but the art side is the sand and finish side. Absolutely. That's it really where, is. It that's really where is. the artist does his work. So that's true. You can, you can get a, a, a floor covering installer, teach them how to put a wood floor in and they'll install a wood floor. They'll even do a pattern floor very well Mm -hmm. but you put a sander in that person's hands and it takes a craft Mm -hmm. i was actually talking to somebody not not long ago that was that was explaining the craft of sanding floors is so much more complex than the craft of sanding furniture or anything else you would consider it to be higher end because you're bringing it to a higher grit and you're you're using different types of finishes but 
floor is it's a craft it's an art and mm-hmm. it's one that I hate to be the naysayer until everybody thinks that sand and finish is going away, but it's never going away because no. there's floors that are three, four, five hundred years old. Oh yeah, that can look brand new tomorrow by exactly. being finished. Exactly, and that's not going away. Well, and like to your point of the piece of furniture working with a piece of wood on the furniture or a cabinet, finishing it a certain way. Well, yet you might be touching that cabinet every day. You might be sitting on that piece of furniture, but you're not sitting on the wood part of that furniture every day. You're walking across that floor every day. Right. And you have to get the techniques right, you know, to make sure that that's going to be a durable floor that they can walk on for years. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Speaking of a properly sanded kitchen table, you have to have a properly sanded and finished kitchen table to eat the barbecue that I know you make. <laughs> and I've, I've been fortunate enough to have tasted your barbecue sauce several times. Um and I, I'm just going to say it. To me, it's probably some of the best barbecue sauce I've ever had. Well, I appreciate that. And you're showing me pictures of some of the food that you're making, some <laughs> of the meatloaf, some of the briskets you're cooking. I know this is just a hobby. I know it would probably be a dream of yours to just hang up your, your knee pads and go out and just cook all day. But what? tell me a little bit about your your barbecue art. Uh, years ago, a bunch of us young punks that thought we could cook – decided we were going to start a barbecue team and uh we toured around the kansas and missouri area for a good few years and learned that we knew nothing about cooking (laughs) you know being able to make mac and cheese does not make you a cook (laughs) you know so learning the art of barbecue learning from several pit masters over the years on how to run a smoker how to manage you know your time with that smoker how to, you know, the, the certain temperatures that you cook at. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely probably, besides carpentry and woodworking, that's probably a, a bigger love in my life uh, is cooking. But that's something I'm not going to battle to get paid to do. You know, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, like you said, keep it as a hobby. Maybe the barbecue sauce will grow, hopefully. That can maybe be a retirement plan. That would be really nice. Definitely hang the knee pads up, you know, and the rep shirt up. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's just definitely a, a, a love that's something that kind of gets me away from work, um, gets me away from, you know, the, that it really started as something to get me out of the daily grind of sanding or installing floors, you know, because, you know, early on you're young, you're working 60 70 hours, right. you know, and, and when you, when you can get something that can take your mind off of that, it keeps that passion for the, for your job there because you can get away from it. And I really think that that's what got me into cooking more. And then we, you know, like I said, had the barbecue team and, uh, learned a lot over the years. So yeah, I, I still love to do it, but again, it's definitely not going to be a, for a living. <laughs> yeah. Well, my mouth is watering just thinking about that barbecue sauce. I could literally drink it from the bottle. It's delicious. Yeah, it's starting to get a pretty good following. So I can again, see why it would be uh, great to have a easy retirement plan. Have some company make it, and I just kick back and collect the <laughs> collect the revenue from it. But well, I'll sing its praises. I'm happy to spread the word if you need it. Well, well Jeremy, great. thank you so much. I appreciate you 
spending the time breaking sure. away from class to come in and talk a little bit. Um, again, the, the real purpose of this podcast is to, to hear from people in the industry that are um, out there and engaged with the industry. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it's – uh, I, I was really – happy to know that you'd be willing to come in and talk oh yeah absolutely and again like it like it like we talked about early on is you know growing the craft of what we do and you know like i talked about that moldable clay getting these young guys involved you know the 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 apprenticeship program that you guys have gotten started right. i think that's going to be a, a big help um to get more of the young guys in and you know, hopefully we can start getting some trade classes back in these schools. That's right. You know, That's I mean, because I know I, I was in shop, you know, in, in high school. Me too. That's you what know? got me into this it, trade. It, exactly. So, yeah, it, it's, I think it's a great thing with the classes and the apprenticeship. So good. anything I can do to help keep, and keep that growing, I'm all about it. Perfect. Well, thank you. Absolutely. I look forward to uh, seeing, you, seeing you at more schools and... And trade shows. And, and bringing you more barbecue sauce. And really looking forward to the barbecue <laughs> sauce. <laughs> Thanks, Jeremy. All right, man.